You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I hope you all are having a wonderful evening. I am your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN and you'll get 20% off your next order. On tonight's episode, I wanted to talk about a couple of different topics. I think the first thing that I wanted to address was talking a little bit about what next season is going to look like. The honest-to-goodness answer is we actually don't really know, but we have a couple of ideas, and there have been some developments in the process for getting to the stage that suggests the next year of hockey is going to be really weird. I think to some degree this is pretty much expected, and yet even then there's quite a bit of uncertainty around the whole process, so we'll kind of explore a little bit about what might be occurring and what ultimately the NHL is probably going to decide to do, as well as exploring some of their upcoming promotional material, including the recently revealed reverse retro jerseys and i'll be kind of ranking a few of them from like the best jerseys to some of the worst because to be honest this one is a very mixed bag and i can tell you right now i did not like winnipeg's but we'll get to that in due time the first order of business though is to kind of figure out whether or not the nhl is actually going to have a season next year because to be honest i'm not 100 percent confident in anything especially the existence of the 2021 season itself and i think for a lot of reasons right now things are very tense Obviously, the past couple of months have been very rough on just about everyone, and even though the NHL was actually able to resume for the 2019 to 2020 season, was it? Or was that 2020 to 2021? I think it was 2019-2020. You know, that whole process took essentially a superhuman effort from just about everyone involved to isolate in these bubbles and create environments where the risk of infection and spreadage was extraordinarily low. So obviously the NHL was able to pull it off with mostly successful results, but there are some issues that kind of come out of this. And I think the biggest thing is that right now the league is hurting for money. It sounds like the Players Union and the NHL are going to be meeting over the next couple of days because there's a huge dispute over exactly how the NHL is supposed to finance all of this. Obviously, having the the little playoff bubble was a huge boon, especially for TV ratings, but the TV ratings were only a boon in the sense that they even had TV broadcasts. The actual uh, television ratings for the, the playoffs and especially the Stanley Cup Finals were among the lowest the NHL has ever seen. Not a great sign, especially for teams that are, are like the Winnipeg Jets and sort of relying on TV money right now because in-person attendance is not a thing. So I think a lot of teams are really struggling with this lack of revenue and ultimately that's going to feed into how they manage all of their operations and trying to figure out how exactly they're supposed to pay their players, their staff, and all of the other logistical costs that go into running an NHL team. And and I think that ultimately a lot of this league just really can't afford not to have another season of play. In in financial terms, what we're kind of looking at is that the league is basically paying out for lost years, and I feel like that's not something the league can really afford to do long term. I know that we are all thinking about next season being suspended, and in my opinion, I really think it needs to be canceled, but I also understand that that's probably not going to happen. For one thing, I have a feeling that the players' agency is probably going to be thinking, you know, we, we need to play, we need to stay in shape, we want to be playing on the ice, and we want to be able to get our revenue cut. And from the league's perspective, they just can't afford not to have an on-ice product 
expect being broadcast for some kind of financial boon because right now everything is really at a standstill and I'm sure that's that's really kind of hurting their advertising budget, the revenue that they typically generate from broadcast rights to begin with. I'm, I'm sure everything's just in a really dire state, but I'm also very concerned that I, I think the amount of financial resources and logistical nightmare that it would be to create another playoff bubble yet extended for an entire season just puts a, a huge strain on both the league and on the psychological states of a lot of these players. Just doing it for a couple of months for the playoffs was rough on a lot of guys. Now imagine doing that for all of these teams that weren't in the postseason before and are now going to have to play inside a regular season bubble. I, I think you're going to have a lot more issues going forward. And this is a situation where I'm not really sure the NHL is, is well equipped to handle this whole thing. I think that they did a couple of things that players weren't really happy about. Uh, for one thing, that the way that they sold the whole bubble system to a lot of the players didn't actually come quite to fruition. I think a few of the players groused about there being missing creature comforts and some things that the league had promised were going to be taken care of, but actually weren't when they got there. I also think, you know, managing a small isolated bubble for just a couple of months versus doing it for almost an entire season is going to be almost a nightmare for this, this league to really try and invest in. The only way to feasibly do a regular season bubble system would be to have a much shorter season than what they did last year. I don't think that they can play the full 82 games, and that was already something that the league was talking about with some of the players and some of the associations, because everyone sort of understands that having a bubble system is incredibly costly, not just in money, but also in human resources and capital. I think you also have to consider that a lot of the players are putting themselves through pretty significant psychological strain to go through this whole system and be isolated from their families. It's just very hard on everyone involved, and I'm sure the, uh, the, the pressures from outside and the pressure to perform inside a bubble where you're also not really with your family, that's, that's a lot to ask of both the players and the staff, and as a fan, I'm just having a little bit of cognitive dissonance over this. I, I obviously want to prioritize player safety more than anything. You know, I, I want them to be home with their families. I want them to not be isolated so much, and as much as I love hockey, I'm totally okay going a year without it. Right now, COVID cases are escalating to arguably their worst ever spikes that we've seen in, in both North America and abroad. Medical infrastructures are, are taxed to their limit, more or less, for a lot of uh, a lot of countries and a lot of states and provinces around the world. And so I, I think the best option is just to suspend things. That's probably not going to happen, though, even though we're already seeing some portions of like the OHL and the ECHL announcing that they have to cease operations temporarily. I don't think the NHL feels it's going to be in the same position to be able to do that, and so they're going to try and force this somehow, and I don't really know what exactly the best solution is. They were talking about you know, rumors of like an all-Canadian division, but that doesn't really solve the central issue of having a lot of teams based in the U.S. And, and how exactly they're going to navigate this process. Would all of these teams come up to Canada and essentially bubble there for like six or seven months? I'm not really sure that you could afford to do that. I think it's going to be very costly, again, in both in human and financial resources. These are just things that are not in a finite supply, and I don't really know if you can ask the players to go through that process, especially with how hard it was for a lot of these guys for just doing it a month and a half to two months at a time for the playoffs. Asking them to be apart from their families for upwards of six to seven months just doesn't seem particularly realistic, and I don't know that the NHL can really afford to go through this whole process again. If they do do it, I'm sure there will be like, th you know, three, four, five, even six bubbles. They've got to have more than just what they had last time because they're going to have so many more teams to contend with. And trying to get all of these games scheduled, uh, you know, the ice cleared, and, and certainly availability for rinks is, is going to be a bit of a premium because they have to make sure that they can get all of these games onto TV networks and broadcast where they're actually going to be generating revenue. It's honestly a mess of a situation, and I don't really know how the NHL is going to resolve this because I don't think that the answer is particularly clear-cut. 
my head says that they kind of have to have this season because I think financially speaking, they're not going to be doing well if they don't. But, you know, inside I'm kind of feeling like this just isn't the right time to have a return to play. I'd love to know your thoughts on this, uh, so be sure to hit me up at HLLivingLoco and hit up our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Let me know what your thoughts are on a potential return to play plan and whether or not the NHL should even pursue it. Right now, the league is kind of behaving as if there is no suspension to play and, and that things are going to be resuming in a sort of pseudo-normal manner, you know, either between January, February, or sometime in March at the latest. And I think we can all tell that they're definitely trying to push for this resumation, especially with the, re, uh, the release of the reverse retro jerseys, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about tonight's title sponsors at Built Bar. If you're a longtime listener of the Locked On Podcast Network, you definitely know that I'm a big fan of Built Bars. If you've never had one, Built Bars are protein bars that are more like candy bars with dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. Their original 12 flavors are all great, including raspberry and mint brownie among my personal favorites, but you can't go wrong with any of them. And if you can't decide for a place to start on the original flavors list, just order the variety box so you get the best of both worlds. Built, though, is definitely not content to rest on its laurels, and it's back and better than ever with a brand new launch. They're adding six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp to their venerable selection. As good as Built Bars taste, they're even better for you, with most clocking in at around 200 calories or less, around 5 grams of net carbs, and between 15 to 19 grams of protein. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss or weight maintenance programs. Getting started with Built Bar is super easy. Just go to Built Bar com and use promo code locked on and you'll get twenty percent off your next order. Again, use promo code locked on for twenty percent off at builtbar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. Um, earlier, we talked about a resumation of the NHL season and whether or not we're actually going to get one in the year twenty twenty one. Because at this point, I think a lot of us are really kind of on the edge of this whole situation, and there is quite a bit of uncertainty about what the NHL might look like next season. But what we do know is that we have a couple of jerseys that have been revealed, especially these retro reverse jerseys, which I, I got to say I'm not really in love with. But I thought I'd spend the rest of the episode talking about the best and the worst jerseys of this bunch. So let's. Let's start off with the crappiest jerseys first because we have quite a few candidates and I feel like some of these are going to be not that surprising. I mean, a, a couple of them they just didn't really try with. And unfortunately, Winnipeg's, you know, jersey is going to be on this list, but at least it's not as bad as our first really bad candidate coming from the Dallas Stars and I'm not really sure what's going on with Dallas's jersey. They did one of these like I think this is early 2000s or like a late 90s style. It's the one that has like the uh, the bottom of the hem with the star outline that you can make out, but instead of having like the green and and black and I think like that weird mustard gold color that they used to have as part of the trim. They've basically done it with like a mostly white body and some green and black trim. Apparently they're wearing this jersey along with like a full white kit, which includes like socks. Um, it looks like pants and some other stuff. Gloves too, I think are mostly white. It's just a really off-putting stylistic choice. And I don't really understand what exactly Dallas is going for here. I'm usually not a fan of like all white outfits with only a little bit of marginal trim. And that's kind of what we're getting with Dallas here. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Columbus's alternate jersey, which is a remix of their 2000 jersey, and that's an alright style. The logo looks alright. Um, the only thing I don't really care about with this jersey is that with the uh, the whole reverse color scheme where they have the red body with uh, white shoulders and arms, I, I kind of feel like this reminds me a little bit of like Washington's recent retro jersey. 
Because it looks so similar and almost looks more like somebody's jersey prototype from a graphics design project, I just don't really love the way it doesn't come together for me. I feel like this is going to be a recurring theme with a lot of these jerseys, but this one in particular just feels like a bunch of different parts put together. Both Dallas and Columbus, though, are definitely not as bad as Detroit's jersey, which looks more like somebody's warm-up jersey attempt in a graphics design project, except they kind of forgot the rest of the jersey. It's basically just a solid white jersey with a little bit of gray trim and then some red letters and numbers, which I just don't really understand what this jersey is supposed to be like. You know, Detroit hasn't really had a great standout jersey that I would say makes me want to rush out and buy it. Generally speaking, their designs tend to be pretty consistent because I think Detroit wants to stay fairly on brand with their image and marketing, so they've always had like a model of consistency. This jersey looks like a really crappy attempt at remixing one of their, I think one of their outdoor classic jerseys, but it just doesn't really come off. And again, it's just really boring and bad. It's it's the kind of thing that I would expect to see in like a discount section of your average sports or clothing shop within like two weeks of releasing. Also, on the really crappy, didn't really try list, we've got the New York Islanders jersey, which basically looks like a darker version of one of their uh, more recent home jerseys. This style that they've done with like a darker navy doesn't really do anything for me. It's it's one of those really boring jerseys, and I'm sure everyone got their Uncle Lou Lamoriello jokes around, you know, in the sense that he doesn't really like anything that's very flashy. He asked his players to shave their playoff beards or whatever and keep their hair in check, so obviously he might have signed off on a jersey that was pretty boring. I just feel like, I don't know, this whole project has generally felt a little bit lazy to me, and this jersey doesn't really go away from that thought. I'm not exactly an expert on New York Islanders jerseys, but if you compare this one against like a more recent version or even one of their retro jerseys, which this is supposed to be taken off of like a 1980s design, I don't really know that I'd be able to point out too much different between this design and some of their earlier jerseys. It's just really not all that impressive, and I feel like New York just sort of took the short way out. I don't know if they actually asked for this design to be this boring or if this is something that somebody sent them a concept and they just sort of stamped their approval on and said it's all right they're supposed to be wearing these jerseys for one game against a very specific opponent but i'm not really sure who they'd match these up with i guess the other new york team but you know new york rangers jersey is also kind of eh. they did a remix of the liberty head jersey but it's also like another dark navy jersey with a little bit of trim my general impression of like all of these really bad jerseys is that for the most part they all sort of remind me of like the nfl's color rush jerseys which i'm not really a fan of the color rush concept i don't like single color jerseys for the most part or or single color like outfits and, and kits but it's my personal preference i'm sure some people out there love this kind of stuff i just don't think it's for me and i feel like i kind of rate the uh, the san jose sharks alternate in the same category of not really being for me this one is actually not horrible they remixed i believe their 1998 jersey which it looks all right you know the uh, the teal reversal with a lighter gray look with the main body and black and teal with white as your shoulders and trim doesn't look that bad. I'm just not in love with the design. Again, I kind of said that some of the other jerseys look like prototypes, and that's sort of what I get the sense of with this one. Tampa Bay is another jersey that did a similar thing as the uh, as the uh, San Jose Sharks jersey did, and I'm not really in love with Tampa Bay's design. It just looks a little bit, I don't know, messy for me. Kind of like they stitched their 2004 jersey together with their current jersey, and I'm just not really loving the particular color palette and design because, again, it's very crowded and it doesn't feel particularly... I wouldn't say unified, it's not supposed to feel unified necessarily, but it's just an eyesore for me. 
On the ending list of, of bad jerseys from this particular crop, I also have to say that the Winnipeg Jets Retro Reverse is just not that great. It's not horrible. It's not as bad as I think some of us, myself included, have made it out to be, but it is pretty bad. Instead of doing like a big red jersey with, you know, the, the dark navy and white trim with some gray, they instead made the main body dark gray, which I don't really care for. A lot of people pointed out that if they had made this jersey more like a hoodie style, it would have been really cool. I, I think that I would agree with that. I think that that would have made a much more interesting product than this as a jersey that's going to be worn on the ice. It just looks very unappetizing and very boring, so not really a fan. Wish Winnipeg had gone a different route, and I don't think this is one that I'm going to need to be adding to my collection anytime soon. Those were all the crappiest jerseys. In a little bit, I'll tell you about some of my personal favorites, although, again, favoritism with these jerseys is, for the most part, pretty limited. All of them have some really annoying flaws or things that I'm not a big fan of, but... These other jerseys are going to be way better, and you'll just have to stick around for a little bit longer to find out which ones make the cut for belonging in your closet next season. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing us out with some of uh, the NHL's best revealed retro reverse jerseys, which for the most part, again, I haven't liked. Actually, they're called the reverse retro. I never get the name right. Anywho, these jerseys, for the most part, not really ones that I anticipate finding inside my closet anytime soon or ever. But I have to say, a couple of jerseys that they've revealed have actually looked pretty good. The Los Angeles King design, which is a uh, a redo of their 1989 jersey, and this one just looks really, really nice. I, I like the style. It's got a, a beautiful purple body with golden yellow trim as well as a little bit of white trim and I feel like it's just hard to mess this particular design up. It's clean, simple, and it just looks right. I have to say LA, they did a nice job. Also on the same related note, we have the uh, the New Jersey Devils Christmas jersey, which again, not that complicated, not that fussy. They've done a Christmas style jersey before with like a main green body and red and white everywhere else and I feel like again, it's really hard to mess this particular jersey up. Looks nice, looks clean. One that, if like it was cheap enough, I actually wouldn't hate having in my closet. Getting deeper into the list, we kind of have the uh, the St. Louis Blues jersey, which I don't think is is my favorite. I think it's all right. It's it's reversing one of their earlier jerseys from the 1995 season, and they traded the blue for the red, which I think is okay. Doesn't look fantastic. Looks all right. Not the worst style though, and certainly not the worst one that we've seen from these teams so far. This next one is probably going to be a little bit polarizing for certain folks, and it's a, a redo of Vancouver's 2001 jersey, which has like a nice little fade between um, blue and the, I guess, I don't know what kind of color of green this is, some sort of like pine green or something like that. Anyways, the jersey looks nice. It's got that nice, cool, I guess, umbra effect, they call it. Or is it ombre? I forget exactly what it's called. They used to have this jersey as like the darker red and dark blue style, but now they've done it in the green and blue of the current jerseys that they wear at home. So it's nice, doesn't look too bad, and I feel like it's it's pretty simple, not that complicated. Closing us out, we have a couple more jerseys. We've got the Vegas Golden Knights third jersey, which I don't really know what this is. It's not really retro because this team hasn't existed long enough to even have a retro jersey. But one particular cool thing about this is that they actually paid tribute to some of the earlier franchises in history of the NHL, including Man and Realm, who was, of course, the first woman to play in the NHL. And they, they did it apparently with some striping on this jersey that she used to wear as well. So that's pretty cool. I like that piece of history. I feel like not many of these jerseys have done that same sort of concept before. Even if the overall design is kind of like okay-ish, I still have to give props for that kind of acknowledgement of some pretty cool hockey history. Closing us out, the last jersey we've got is the uh, Washington Capitals Screaming Eagle jersey where they have, now they've done like a really cool solid red body with a lower blue hem and I feel like that's just nice looking. 
The Screaming Eagle is a little bit too big, but aside from that, the jersey itself looks great. The shoulder patches are, are really nicely done, and I feel like Washington, generally speaking, just doesn't make bad jerseys. Anytime the Caps put something out, whether it's a third jersey or their home or away jersey, they just don't seem to miss on these things. Now that you've seen all of the 31 jerseys that are out, let me know which ones are your favorite or least favorite at HOLivingLoco on Twitter or our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National Podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato. For this weekend, I am thinking about continuing some of our greatest goal scorer reviews, and perhaps we'll take a look at some of the goalies who have actually scored goals themselves. We have one in our organization who is currently playing in Russia, but has had a few goals in some of the junior circuits. So be sure to stay tuned for that coming up later this week. For now, though, I thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great night, and as always, go Jets go!